This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Noom uses the latest in proven behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Noom builds personal plans that can meet an individual's needs, takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching, their platform has helped millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. I think a lot of intelligence has gone into the whole Noom system. They really think about how humans live, how they think, what their psychology is, and it's all been used to help people control their weight. So stay focused on what's important to you with the Noom psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's Noom, N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen for 100 Healthy and Delicious Recipes to Promote Better. Living available to buy now, wherever books are sold. Hi, my name is David Cross, and I feel envious about being Conan O'Brien's friend. You're envious of me because I get to be your friend. I'm envious of myself for for getting to be your friend. I got lost as well. Yeah. <laughs> Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues. The fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello there. Welcome to <laughs> what was that? It was you don't like my hello there? <laughs> no, well, just, it was just the you were doing of, yeah. all these bits before, like picking up a phone and pretending you were talking yeah. to someone, and then all of a sudden you got serious. Here's the problem. Here's the, and I'm explaining this because we're using this open, but okay. I, I, don't you think we should, Gorley? This is a- Yes, I do. Okay, I mean, so basically the they need truth. to know we were screwing around, acting like fools, and then Matt said, okay, let's get going. And I suddenly switched from, I have an old timey phone on my desk and I was pretending, I was doing some stupid bit as I do. And then it was time to start our supposedly comedic podcast, but you said, let's get going. So I put the phone down, took one second and just went, hello there. And you guys <laughs> start laughing and, and because, and you're right, it's so stupid. I'm not, so you know, I'm, I'm not this respected figure that needs to say, and now the news. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. of course, uh, still, <sighs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's absurd 
Why did I go from doing stupid bits with you, with, with you yeah. guys that weren't being recorded? Yeah. Just being dumb and Sona saying I'm stupid and me saying, yeah, well, idiot called and it says it's you. Whatever. Yeah, whatever yeah. dumb stuff we're doing Trying back and forth. Trying to hit me with whatever you had rolled up through the computer. Yeah. Uh, you were, were doing something weird. We're on Zoom and I have a glasses case and I was trying yeah. to jab you with it through yeah. Zoom. Yeah. So all of this uh, absolutely uh, inane foolishness. And then Gorley says, not it's time to start the eye operation on the patient, <laughs> no, which no. then it would make sense to like, okay, guys, settle down. Right. Gorley, what you're saying is it's time to stop this foolishness to begin the foolishness. The actual bullshit dick around begins yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Stop this bullshit dick around and then I'm going to pull <laughs> this around. lever. And so you, I said, okay. And then suddenly just changed, went into this tone of, Hello there. And like, well, yeah. who's that guy? You become the full Cronkite. Let's try again. We'll keep all this stuff, but just yeah. be yourself. Ready? Three, two, one. Well, Sona's bad. What? <laughs> what? What? I'm why? sorry. I thought you wanted why? me to be myself. No, why? Uh, we'll admit you're also kind of- that, a- that wasn't creative at all. That was so now, bad. Oh, wait. You don't think it's creative? So you, you you think I was just saying the truth? No, I respect uh. I respect your slams <laughs> when they have some creativity behind it. When you're just like, Sona's bad. Here's why Picasso was great. He was oh, inc- come on. He no. was an incredible draftsman, an incredible- uh, he, Great man. Yeah, but also, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> Able to, uh, de- realistic. He could, he was, he was great at depicting, he could depict anything. He could draw the human hand beautifully, which is uh, very difficult to do. He had studied anatomy. He knew what to do, but then he blew it up by going to the simple shapes, simple oh. shapes. And mm. that's what I just did. I've had my sophisticated Sona slams, but like Picasso, it's now like 1917 and I'm deciding I got to blow it up and do something that'll blow everyone's mind. And my new riff is Sona's bad. Oh, (laughs) let's hear another one of these blown up Sona slams. That's that's my my cubism. Oh God, it's awful. Sona's unprofessional. There, you are. Stupid. No, yeah, I don't like dumb. this. Cubism. Because well, it's, it's true. It's Cubism. not even like it's like funny because it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I am unprofessional. Uh, state some more facts. Let's, uh, yeah, I don't uh, know. No, no, I, uh, no, I just, this is my cubist period. And you guys say this is no good, just saying Sona's bad. But when they do put, and I believe this is artwork, what we're doing. Oh, when, when this no. is put, mm. when, yes, a hundred years from now, when people want to buy the digital snippet of me saying Sona's bad, it's going to be at Christie's auction house. It's going to be framed somehow. Don't ask me how. And it's going to be worth $35 million. Which will be about $350. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That was such an Austin Powers moment where Dr. Uh. Evil's like, and the ransom is (laughs) $10,000. Dr. Evil, what? Oh, (laughs) it's not 1968 anymore. Uh, All right. Well, anyway, I promise to become even less professional as we move forward. And these openings of the podcast will continue to deteriorate. But no more clowning around today. We've got to get to it. My guest today is... An actor and comedian you know from the hilarious sketch comedy series, Mr. Show, and the Emmy award-winning series, Arrested Development. Good God, um, I've seen every one of those episodes like five times. Uh, What a brilliant show. His new comedy special, David Cross, I'm From the Future, is out now. I'm excited to chat with him today. 
David Cross, welcome. I want to be fair. This is your 12th podcast today. <laughs> it is. You are really fried. You just came from Comedy Bang Bang, I believe. I did. And uh, you yeah, just, I've been you, running around. You just did the, we call it the Ackerman Waltz. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that 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 takes it out of you. That's It, it does. And you, you know, you got to be on top of, you got to be at tip top shape. Tip top shape, yes. And uh, all your improv skills have to be, uh, your synapses have to be. Yeah, firing. here you can relax. <laughs> Trust cool. me. This is, uh, this is the shady, uh, little glen in it, the woods where you can just hang out. You don't have to be in top anything to be on this uh, podcast. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, um, can I fart? I'd rather you- <laughs> Just to let go. I'd rather you and, simulate it. Okay. And then, um, can, can I tell you, um, this is true, a, a thing that I that you said long, long time ago, might've been the first time I ever hung out with you. Maybe, maybe- You did stand second. up on my show in 90, you were early. This is before you had a, or you might've just gotten the talk show. This is before that. Where were you? And I can tell you a little bit more uh, about this encounter. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. We were either in- uh, New York or LA. I know Janine was there and Bob was there. Janine Garofalo, Bob Janine Garofalo, Odenkirk. Yep, Bob yeah. Odenkirk. Um, and we were, there were probably, a, I'm going to say at least eight people. Mm -hmm. And we were at a dinner. And I, you and I were sitting across from each other, much like we are currently. Yes. And eating delicious food as we are right now. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then you, whatever you got, whatever the thing was, I'm going to I'm going to switch up the order of how I say this because there's a there's a dairy brand mm -hmm. that is in uh in my grocer's freezer mm -hmm. and it's uh, uh a ridiculous name and it's called Cream O Land mm -hmm. and it's you know milk it's where it, Right, uh, Cream O Land milk, yes. Yeah. And uh and I always rem and I'm talking like once a week will pop into my head because you were served something and then you just took a bite and you went, mmm, creamy. <laughs> and it's the most innocuous thing and it is stuck in my head. I'm sorry. And whenever I see I'm sorry. Land, I'm I'll sorry. say, creamy. Creamy. Um, that sounds like me circa 1989, I'm going to guess. Uh, that was, or I 1990. I don't think it was that early. I didn't know Bob until 90. Uh, maybe it was pre -Bob. I don't know. Right. I think you had just gotten the show or it was- I knew Bob Odenkirk and obviously- you and Bob come together for Mr. Show, which we're going to talk about. So many things to talk about and so much comedy stuff to nerd out on. But you and I come from this same era of comedy. I distinctly remember being out here and there was this LA period where I was through Bob meeting all these cool people. Mm -hmm. That's how I got to meet Janine Garofalo. I remember her hanging out once when Bob and I were uh, shooting baskets. And if you've ever seen two guys that shouldn't be shooting baskets, <laughs> it's me and Bob Odenkirk. Um, and also we'd do bits the whole time we were shooting baskets. One of my bits was I was the phantom and I would pull my shirt up over my head and be very pompous about how no one knows my identity while taking <laughs> shots. And Bob, the straight man would say, phantom, you're, if you took the shirt off, you, your shots would go in and I would braid him. We would do this. Janine was there saying, these people are idiots. Then he joins forces with you and you guys do Mr. Show had such a clear comedy vision that, and you were very true to that comedy vision. And I've heard you talk about it before, but you talk about how a lot of us were influenced by Python, but you guys really wanted the show to have a very distinctive tone like Python mm -hmm. so that if anything happened on the show, no matter what order you saw the sketch or where you saw the sketch, 
you knew this is a Mr. Show sketch. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, amongst other things, we had certain, um, and Bob was really more specific uh, about that kind of stuff. Um, and it was Bob's idea to not have, as I mean, we did it a couple times, but to try to avoid reoccurring characters, right? And that we wouldn't mention specific celebrities. If there was a sketch about something that was very topical and it, it it would have been obvious if it was say like you know Paris Hilton or somebody mm-hmm. of the time and uh, is to not make it about Paris Hilton but about that idea and to to not name people yep. who were who were you know current events yep um, and I think that's helped keep it kind of you know not dated. Well, I think that's my favorite stuff or the stuff that I've liked the most or I think the stuff that anything I've been involved in that's – we call it evergreen comedy just Mm -hmm. because it's just silly. And I find in general I gravitate towards that kind of comedy. That's what I like the most. Yeah, and Python did that too. I mean Python might mention a certain minister that was a real person in the 70s that – a 13-year-old kid in Roswell, Georgia is going to have no concept of, but I understood the context. Right. I got the idea of what they were talking about. You know, it's, um, I was so influenced by Python and i you know, later on, all of us have had the chance to have these encounters with different Pythons here and there. And I always try and impart on them, like you guys were the atom bomb blast for a lot of us. You guys were the ones that, and I don't mean that they killed hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> instantly. I mean- Over really, the years with radiation. Over the years with radiation, they <laughs> yeah. did. And they, they started a brinksmanship between Russia and America that was really destructive. <laughs> Other than that, I think what Python really did was they completely opened up this whole massive continent of comedic possibilities that the rest of us saw. And when you think about it, Python starts in 1969. And I thought 15 years later, America still hadn't come close to catching up because I was seeing Python in reruns when I was a young teenager, 14, 15, 16, and it was just completely changing my idea of comedy. And sometimes I just even, if I tried to write a sketch when I was very young, people had British accents in it. And it was just, 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 I wrote one in particular and I remember really clearly doing it and people were saying, why is everyone speaking in a British accent? And I was like, whoa, what the fuck? Just do it. Yeah. Just don't, <laughs> don't be mean. Just do it like that. Because it beats a Boston accent any day. And, and all, and think about how, when you're a kid and you're with like-minded kids, how many times did you, you know, we're the knights who say neat and, yeah. and try to, and that was your like almost secret code uh, with other comedy nerds, especially when you were around the jocks or whatever, and yep, yep. they didn't know what, why is that cracking this kid up? He keeps saying knee or whatever the, you know. No, the, it was a secret way to let people know, oh, we are a small band yeah. of hobbits who've been banished to the forest. There are very few of us left. Most yeah. were killed by orcs, but this is how we'll let each other know that- You're part of the tribe. We're part of the tribe. Yeah. But one of the things that interests me is I know you- you come originally from the South, but then you make your way to Boston when you start doing comedy, doing yeah. stand-up. That is not always the most welcoming place for alternative or original comedy. Maybe it's changed a lot, but for a while there, that that could be a that can be a tough place to finally develop to, to try and develop your kind of sensibility. Well, I got extremely lucky in the timing of that, uh, and you're and you're right. And uh, I don't think the you know, what's what's become known as alternative comedy mm-hmm. didn't really kind of 
uh, there wasn't a t- term. There was no for term it for it, right? Yeah. And uh, people back then just said, "You're not funny." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what we called it. They, uh, back- well, they go, "You're not funny, faggot." What are you laughing? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of oh, that, man, was, that was the nineteen. Tough. That was yeah. That was nineteen eighty six. Tough yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, and so um, yeah, so I I got very very lucky on the timing that the um comedy boom which was a real thing that was happening really the the kind of epicenter was you know boston was huge it was yeah. a, it was between when you think about new york la uh, boston and san francisco where i'd say for stand up were mm-hmm. the kind of big places boston was the you know per capita had more places to do stand up than those other three and and they needed bodies to go up on stage they yep. just needed to fill spots and if it had been 2 years prior or 3 years post i don't think i would have gotten the opportunities that cuz i i mean they just cuz i bombed a lot of times and i was definitely a a comics comic i i was still finding my voice right. um and, and i shouldn't say i bombed all the time that's not true but i if in certain venues when they need a somebody to go up and fill 20 minutes at some cowboy bar in Methuen, you know, I, I'm not going to have the greatest set. Sometimes to thrive in that environment, you need to be really be able to handle hecklers yeah. and people who aren't. And if you're spending a lot of time doing that, you might be developing the wrong muscle, mm-hmm. which can be tricky. You know, I mean, I, famously, what I've always heard or sensed is that San Francisco was very welcoming uh, comedically or, or traditionally was very welcoming for people that had offbeat ideas that they yeah. wanted to try on stage, mm-hmm. almost as opposed to a Boston, which, um, you know, could be a much tougher environment. Yeah, but it toughens you up. It, it, yeah. You get a thicker skin and that's an equally useful skill. Right, right. You know, to, to, if you go into something saying there's a fairly good chance, let's say a 65% chance, I'm just going to have a awful, miserable set, you know, you in order to keep doing that, you have to psychologically adjust, you right. know? Um, so I think that was helpful. But there's something like, you're like an RAF pilot. <laughs> you know that it's 1940, the Germans are attacking in force. You're going up in your little spitfire, 80% chance you don't come back. It, <laughs> I don't know. It might, it, it might heighten the senses a little bit, you know? Some great comedy came out of the RAF in 1940. Yeah, I mean, it's a, probably the best analogy you could make. Uh, I think so. Um, <laughs> that's that's your second war analogy. <laughs> oh, there's going to be more. Okay. If you think uh, that's the only one I've got, hold on a second. I think if this comedy episode is uh, of the podcast is kind of a Gallipoli, if you will. <laughs> sure. Yeah, la- a last stand. <laughs> yeah, fodder. We were just fodder. I got to say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit. Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever. Okay? Okay. But lately, I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do partner events where you can build on each other's boards and crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for, or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly 
to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. <laughs> There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts and, or money sprees that have fun new mini games. Plus, with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. On the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less Filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it, it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Come on, if most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it in Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. There's something that happens around this time where you're, I always think there are different phases and I don't mean just for us, but I, what you just said about the timing, I think about this all the time. 
um, which is timing was essential for me and luck, just dumb luck. Oh, but, sure. That, that goes like, without for yeah, me. But, but just me coming along, you know, um, coming along at the time that I did, if I had shown up a few years earlier, I'd be measuring you for insoles somewhere. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it just yeah. happened that this was a time when it was possible for me to maybe get into comedy. And here we are all these years later. It's one of the most satisfying things that can happen in one's life. You, not only are you making you know, lifelong friends and, and people you can work on projects with, but then you, you get to kind of do the same for others. You know, like I, anybody who's in the uh, position that I was in or you were in mm -hmm. back then, and you can recognize it and you see some talent, you just sort of, you bring them in, you make an yep. effort. Um, yep. I mean, Bob was extremely responsible for Tim and Eric and yeah. their, yeah. their rise and, uh, and getting them a show and, uh, and, and look how many people they've influenced, you know? Right. And, uh, and it's just a, it's. I, I believe in what you just said, unless they're t very talented. And then I try and, uh, <laughs> it's called kill them in the crib. I try and, I try and take them out of the game very quickly before I, they can be a threat. I was saying this before though. It's, and tell me what you think. Cause I, I haven't thought it out completely, but, uh, the stand-up world, mm -hmm. um, the comedy world to a, to a, a larger extension, but the stand-up world is, I would say, probably the most supportive creative community, mm -hmm. um, more than, at least from what I understand, like visual artists and uh, maybe playwrights and actors, certainly. Um, I'm going to broaden that out to include improv. Yeah. Like, because um, I didn't come from stand-up, I came from improv and- met people who were incredibly, hey, supportive. Yeah. And said, hey, you're good at this. You should, you know, you should try this now. You should do that. And, mm -hmm. and, and would push me and direct me and also kind of give me some of the best advice that I ever had in terms of getting up in front of an audience. And, and help and help you get in front of an audience. And there's, there's less like ego backstabbing, bitter recrimination type shit. That comes later. <laughs> yeah. That started. I started getting into that about a year ago. Yeah. Just, How's it going? I have like an. I'm like Nixon. I have an enemies list. You have a list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's next on the list? Oh well, I keep putting people on the list, and then the, people tell me they've died. That, that they're already <laughs> gone. You know, Regis was on my list. Like I'm going to get him, and he never. He was only nothing but lovely to me. Yeah. But I just was like, oh, Regis. It's who you become. I'll get you. <laughs> That's what <laughs> this world has turned you into. I'm very paranoid. I was very paranoid about Regis for a long time. I want the listeners at home or in your car, wherever you are, to know that it is uh, positively freezing in this room. And I appreciate it. Can I point something out? Yeah. You are wearing not just a shirt, but you are wearing a lumberjack shirt over it. I've got a flannel, yeah. A flannel. I am wearing yes. just a T-shirt because I wanted you to see my musculature <laughs> as soon as I that's can. The, that's the uh, Massachusetts in you. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I, I want to show you what I'm fucking made of. <laughs> but it is very cold in here. Um, I don't know why. I think they're, uh, well, they're, oh, they're, there's meat stored in the corner. Oh, there I you see go. That. There's a lot and of- And a body. There's a body. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh my God, it's Regis. <laughs> Forgot to dispose of the body. How long has that been there? Uh, well, three years. Now. Um, <laughs> that's why he's the clothes he's wearing are out of fashion. Uh, no, you know it's um, it's it's interesting to me. Like there's 
this is something that I think about when I think about the work that you've done, especially Mr. Show. And I want to talk about your stand-up special, I'm from the Future, and your stand-up in general, which is somewhere along the line, you learned to take incredible chances. I mean, you start your stand-up special, I'm from the Future, and I, I, I don't want to give anything yeah, away. No. I will not give anything away. But you start it with uh, telling this story and I won't give anything away, but I will say that I was watching it saying, it is impossible, the whole you're digging yourself with yeah. this very, with this story. I was watching it and I was thinking, as a someone who does this for a living and has, and has thought about comedy for such a long time, I thought, I don't know why he's doing this, but there's no way he can get out of this hole. It's, he, he, he's really digging a deep, deep hole and you hear the audience get really quiet and I encourage you to, to, to check this out, but you dig an incredibly deep hole and then um, in one sentence, you, you, swip, you, you flip everything around and it's very funny and everyone's with you. And I was like, okay, shit. All right, that was, that was frightening for me as a viewer. I don't know how frightening it was for you performing it. I was so delighted when I figured I was looking for a way to talk about that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to talk too much uh, about it yes. because people haven't seen it, but yep. Yep. I was looking for a way and I just couldn't find the end to that subject matter. And then, uh, and then I was literally at uh, dinner with my wife and uh, some friends. And then it just occurred to me, I was like, Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll right. do this. And then, right. you know, I, I luckily, uh, I I live in Brooklyn, which is very, uh, and my my fans are very uh, forgiving, and um, <laughs> uh, and so I was able so, to develop that yeah. fit, and it and really it's about like how far do I take this, and yeah. how yeah. When is when is it too much and and figuring out? But I can see how much you love. There's that, and again, we're we're talking about something um, that I don't want to get specific about because you need you need to check out the special. But there are many times in the special where you walk up to the line, you kind of stick a toe over the line, you pull it back a little bit, but then I can see you, you want to, if slightly encouraged or even not, step a little more over the line and really play with that. And that's something to me that you don't develop. That's something that I'm guessing you had when you were 17 years old. Yeah, for 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 sure. I I... I when I was first starting out and I was starting to get road work and I'd have to go to uh, Augusta for a week or Corpus Christi or wherever, mm -hmm. I always knew when I was uh, going out and, and in those situations, I'd do my set and then I'd come back and the headliner, if the headliner said something like, boy, kid, <laughs> you got some balls, I knew he was going to suck. You know, like, uh, I, I shouldn't say suck, but I knew what I could expect you know mm -hmm. and 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 the, i i don't mean this to sound um pompous or whatever but it doesn't feel like it doesn't it doesn't feel to me like i'm taking the risk that it appears to others that i'm taking because right. i don't it just I, I guess i just don't think of it in term those terms so there have been a few bits um over the years where i would do it and I would get a little tense because I thought, maybe am I going to get beat up? Is somebody going to rush the stage? Somebody get throw something? Um, 
there have been a handful of those, so I'm aware of the thing I'm doing. Um, but for the most part, it's just that's part of the fun and part of the the joy of it. And look, an audience and several audiences in a row will let me know if like, okay, that's enough. That's too much. And if and it and if I right. can't if I can't justify it and defend it by it's funny, here's why it's funny, here's why it works, then I'll then I'll go, you know, you're right. That is too much. It's not uh and it fucks up your set. Fucks up the whole, you know So that let's say an audience lets you know mm-hmm. you've gone too far or that made us uncomfortable. It was it was too much. Do you carry that with you for a while, or can you etch a sketch that pretty quickly? By can you shake it off? You know, uh, both kind of. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you you have to shake it off, but yes, you think about it and you um, uh, and 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 look. There've been a there've been a couple times where I was, I you know, people came on stage. Like I literally have been. Uh, Especially with religious stuff more than anything else. For example, you being upfront about your, you know, belief, well, your just, lack yeah. of belief, and making it? jokes. It's all in the context. Right. You know, it's not a, a TED talk or anything. I mean, I'm, I'm doing, I'm trying my best to. I've been charged during ch- TED talks. <laughs> I've had people come on stage, and it's been people like. Sonia Sotomayor and Bill Gates that tackle me, <laughs> beat the shit out of me together. Like together, tandem. they always attack together. <laughs> they're very good. They're 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 like ninjas. they have a strategy. They yeah, flank very on good. the side and yeah. Um, I I mean it's uh, it's well. Did anyone ever hit you? No, I I had it at uh, Stitches, um, the old Stitches in Boston. Um, this I is how s- it got its name, by the way. Somebody threw uh, one of those like. Thick glass ashtrays is back when they had smoking. This is how yeah. long ago, yep, yep. and uh, um, it missed me. But I mean, that thing would have really done some damage. Yeah. Um, and I had a guy. I was in Baton Rouge, and um, there was a bunch of like kind of frat type of guys, but a, a little doughier frat guys. Mm-hmm. And this guy stood up and he did the classic, you know, beating the palm into the palm into fist. Palm I'll into fist thing. I'll, I'll beat you. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, and I was, I tried to make some joke. He's like, uh, uh, this is going to be you after the show. I'm going to be waiting for you. And, you know, you you leave the stage and you run and you try to get protection. I've had, over the years, I've had, I had a guy come up on stage. Uh, I was doing stuff about uh, whatever, some Jesus stuff, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And a uh, guy came up on stage and there was a, a table with a pitcher of water. And he stared at me and he poured the pitcher of water uh I wish you could see this because it was, it's part of it is a visual, visual, but, um, pitcher poured the pitcher water into the glass and then stared at me as he drank the water, which what was supposed to be intimidating and kind of was. I will, but re- also, I will hydrate you, yeah, but also was <laughs> the oddest, like, I, what? It's so weird. It was very weird. You know, it's so funny too. It's just like, this is you after the show <laughs> drinking a glass of water. And then he after came the show, up, he's in the, he's in, in the alley and he's just like, you know, I just think it's important to hydrate. I, I worry. Think, I, I, I was, uh, I was speculating he was thirsty. <laughs> it was such a strange thing because he stared at me, you right. know, and he knew he had, uh, uh, because believe me, I, I was, it was a mass exodus. Uh, people were not into the set and, um, and he, and he came on stage and there's no secure, it was a college. It was, uh, St. Louis University. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
and which is a Jesuit school, which I didn't know until I was there. Here's my question. Oh, well, I'll get to my question in a second, but just so you know where I'm going, who's booking? Because <laughs> it's so funny to me when people said, you know, we've got, we're a lovely uh, group of Methodists and we're going to have a dinner of uh, grilled lamb with mint sauce. Then we're going to have a prayer circle. And then we've hired a comedian to come in <laughs> who doesn't believe in an afterlife and is hostile towards the concept of Jesus as the son of man. <laughs> hey, what the hell happened? Yeah, well- I'm always stunned by that. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, it, was a, it was a one-off college uh, uh, university gig and those pay pretty well. And it was, yeah. uh, I was yeah. in New York and- you know, it's a fly out for it. They ask for you special. They, uh, and I, so I didn't know any of this at the time. Uh, I just know it's St. Louis University. And uh, two kids pick me up at the airport mm. and I'm in the back seat and I, uh, I'm just kind of peppering them with questions just to see if I got a, a you know, opening minute or two to, to chat before I go into my set, you know, going, so tell me about, uh, I don't think I'd been to St. Louis before. I'm not sure if I had, but, uh, um, ask him a couple questions and, uh, you know, tell me about the school. Um, the guy's driving. He's like, yeah, we're, uh, um, you know, it's the oldest, uh, Jesuit school in uh, the country <laughs> and it was founded and uh, by father Franciscan, you know, and, and I'm like, I'm, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, it's a Jesuit school. Yeah. And then I, I said for, and I'm quote, I was like, have you seen my act? And, the other kid, it was a girl, goes, you're the just shoot me guy, right? No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they thought you were David Spade. No, no, sorry. I was on just shoot me. I did. I had done this running character. Right. Uh, that was, and I had this, there was this catchphrase. Well, it became a thing called, uh, it was chicken yes. bot, chicken bot, chicken bot, Yeah. And it was huge. And I got- They only knew that. They only knew that. <laughs> <laughs> they knew I'd done some other things, but they knew me as the- the just shoot me guy. Don, you're slow Donnie from just shoot me. That's the thing I always thought about, say with, uh, you know, recently passed uh, Bob Saget mm -hmm. is there's so many oh, yeah. people that thought America's Funniest Home Videos and, yep, and he's, the, he's the dad uh, on our favorite, you know, sitcom that we watched with our kids. Let's get him for the event. And um, well, we all know. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> dirty, 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 a filthy man. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm always stunned when people will, I was somewhere and it was some snooty event and they had had, I don't know why I was there, but I was at some snooty event. The Met Ball? The Met Gala? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sure. You're, yes. Yes. And I, I had, you're a regular yeah, there. People were always want me at the Met Gala, <laughs> and um, I had you know worn my outfit and walked in, and the crowd went crazy. No, it's at some snooty event, and it was sort of older blue blood types, and they were upset. And I forget what I did. I did whatever I did, and they were they they laughed and thought it was funny, and then they were saying, "Why." Well, we had a very unpleasant time not long ago. We had this gentleman, Kid Rock, come. <laughs> and I said, what? And it went, well, someone, uh, someone knew someone what? who knew someone and they brought him in and he was, you know, and it was, he was quite abusive. <laughs> I just, I always, my question is always, 
who's booking? Yeah. It's my favorite thing in the world yeah. is, um, hey, it's a kid's party. Chill, uh, relax, six-year-olds. We got Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. He'll be here in a minute. Um, <laughs> and uh, why, why, why? Are his eyes watering? <laughs> why? I, I don't know. I'm just, I find that to be one of life's great pleasures is just who's somewhere in the cosmos. Someone's playing a great joke on everybody, but. I mean, they, well, these, these people contacted somebody cause they, yeah, I mean, you know, in the, uh, um, think of that student, uh, you know, they have the, the fund for, mm-hmm. you know, they get three, four people a year. And, and I guess I was a cut rate. <laughs> you know, they, I was brought in, um, yeah, someone said, "Trust me, this is going to be good." They could afford me. I've seen him on a very fun sitcom that I watch with yeah. my parents, and he's going to be nice. And maybe he'll say that line over and over again for an hour. Yeah, that thing we loved. What well, always reminds me of Man on the Moon, uh, Jim Carrey yeah. uh, portraying Eddie Kaufman, and he he goes to the classic gig where his character Schnick right. from Taxi, and he ends up getting angry, and he sits down, and he just reads. Um, Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby. Yeah. F. Scott Fitzgerald. And he reads it page to page and leaves. And uh, so there's that element. I know there's something. When I saw the documentary about Andy Kaufman and wrestling, I had always liked Andy Kaufman. But when I saw the wrestling documentary where he's- I don't think I've seen that. Oh, my God. It's so incredible. But what, he, what is it called? Where do I check I think it's out? called Andy Kaufman on Wrestling. And mm-hmm. what he does is it's just all the real footage of him- Traveling throughout the South, taunting people. Yeah. You know, he played intentionally the most awful, who would they most hate to see? Yeah, and, Hollywood. Yeah, and he would get in the ring and he would be a cut. He'd taunt his opponent. And then, of course, when the, when his opponent came at him, he'd run away. Mm-hmm. And then when the opponent was turned, he'd kick him. And then he'd say, if you touch me, I'll sue, I'll sue you. And then he'd go on and on about his Jewish lawyers in New York. <laughs> and just think you could see people in the crowd losing their minds. And yeah, and that was 80s. That was early 80s, right? Late 70s? I think late 80s. 70s yeah. or, or 1980. Just ballsy. Is- and yeah, and then he went on, I think he went on, I mean, this is famous, people know about, but he goes on television at one point and he's holding up Local television, he's like, hello, I'd like to show you something. Because he's somewhere in the deep south. Yeah. This is a bar of soap. Yeah. You might want to try it. And people came to that event to see him die. The, the they best, hated him so much. <laughs> best wrestling villain ever. Yeah. Because I mean, he, the best. Re- he really got under people's skin. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, um, didn't mean any of it. But yeah. I just wanted to see... Did I did I get this straight? Because I I was looking at there's a, a bunch of your influences that make sense to me, like um, Bill Hicks and Andy Kaufman, and then I and and Monty Python and Stephen Wright, obviously, mm-hmm. um, uh, and Richard Pryor, and then I saw Lou Costello. Is that the Lou it, Costello of Appen Costello? Yeah, in in um in the sense that when I was a when I was young, my dad uh, was pretty awful uh mm-hmm. but the one of the the best things he gave me was a love of comedy and he loved laurel and hardy and evan mm-hmm. costello and i really really for whatever reason beyond Marx brothers and laurel yep, yep. i really loved Abbott and costello yep. and lou costello was just the funniest guy to me when i was i mean i'm talking like when i was Seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever, and I, I would watch all the movies, and 
I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's necessarily an influence, but it was, it was an early love of that thing. Well, I like that you said that because, like you, I grew up in an era where there wasn't television existed, but there wasn't enough content. So, my dad, who um, was quite nice, uh, but, <laughs> but. He, the similarity with your dad is that he also was important for, for, it was important that my dad, for my dad to show me this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he saw that I was interested and I knew that he was interested and it was a way for us to connect. And so, um, he was very interested in showing me W.C. Fields, Marx Brothers, Mm -hmm. uh, Charlie Chaplin. Um, but it also was on TV a lot. They used to run that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and now- I would have to say to my son, I'm going to go and show you rather than watching all I, of the I great- I was going to ask, do you have that, do you desire that or do you have that connection with your kids? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do very much. Uh, um, I have an 18-year-old daughter and I have a 16-year-old son and I love showing them stuff that I thought was really funny and having them like it. And, and, and when I'm did just, you, that is just the best. When did you, at what age? And when did I talk you... stuff, I'm just showing them all late night shows from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, Dad, it's it's not that good. And this clutch cargo is going on way too long. And I'm like, you're going to watch it again. <laughs> Dad, you had cheekbones. <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> what what <laughs> age did you start doing that? Pretty early. Um, I think one of the things that I showed them that really made me happy is my dad used to take me to see, uh, it was a big deal when a new Pink Panther movie came along mm-hmm. because I love wow. Peter Sellers. And it was a big deal. We'd go and see it in the theater. And I would see my dad laugh till he was crying at, at Inspector Clouseau and the insanity of it. And, and how old are you at this point? I think I start seeing them when I'm- 11, mm-hmm. 12, 13. And so I, when I remembered showing my kids one, and it's it's tense because you think, if you tell your kids gather around, we're gonna watch something and you yeah. get them seated and you show it and unveil it and they're not having it, it's a total, it, it feels like you bombed on a massive stage right. somehow because it's your kids, but they loved it and they wanted more and we ended up watching all of them and I felt like this That's is great. great. Like this yeah. is the circle of, to me, this is the circle of life. My dad shows me the Marx Brothers, then I show my kids Len at the Opera and they love it and wow, this is as good as it gets. Yeah, that's um, great. So, I'm looking forward to, we still have a couple years to go, but um, looking forward to introducing my daughter to that stuff. But you know what's interesting is like in our, I'm talking about like an old man, but in our era, this stuff, you couldn't avoid it because um, local television. You're they, absolutely right. It's a completely with, different. Right. So now it's like a thing you have to choose to do, which is I want to show you, like it's their Criterion collection. I want yeah. to show you horse feathers or I want to show you. They would not this, find it on their own. Right. They wouldn't find it on their own. And, and, and they'd say like, well, wait a minute. If we can watch anything, you know, why don't we watch – um, you know, this latest, why don't we watch Dune or why don't we watch this right. thing that's the the new glossy? And you have to make a real argument for, well, it's going to be in black and white. Mm-hmm. You're not going to understand some of it, but it's really fantastic. In our day, it was just what was on TV and no one was presenting it to us. It was, look, it's this, or you can watch the Catholic yeah. mass on the other channel. Yeah, there's and a, I'm not there's watching a Western or there's this or yeah, or yeah. there's the flag waving I also think when you bring up Lou Costello, I think of Abbott and Costello, he was, um, Bud Abbott was the greatest straight man. 
of all time. And um, really, what are you talking about? Say, what, did, what did you do that to the man for? You know, he he keeps he keeps the uh, he keeps the line so tight between the two of them that I was well, always you, blown away you by. You probably that. know this, but you know that in for for years and years and years that the straight man was like sixty forty was yep. the cut. The straight man was the more valuable person in yeah. the act, which doesn't make sense when you think about it now. You know, you've got the straight man and then you've got the wacky person, but it was originally thought that, no, the straight man, it's it's Martin, then Dean, yeah, it's no, Dean Martin, then Jerry Lewis. Yeah, nobody is, uh, you know, nobody's watching, you know, Abbott and Costello meet the werewolf or whatever because of Bud Abbott. Right, they're not nobody. Right. They're right. they're waiting for the set piece where Lou's gonna fall down and get hit and all that stuff, or that's get tapped right. on the shoulder and and then realize yeah, it's Frankenstein and then do twenty right. minutes of being. And yeah, you know, but I would say I don't know. I always find it fascinating that. There's, I can talk to someone like you, and I just, I never get over it. Like, huh, okay, so you come from this unhappy experience in your youth, mm-hmm. right? And um, all this, uh, you, you could say, like, wow, you've been placed as far from, you, you're, you're not really given any leg up in any way, but you have it in you. You have that thing in you. You search out all these different, first of all, as a, as a kid, you're finding on television, wherever you can find it these people that make you laugh, you've probably find in yourself, there's something about this I like. You make your way to Boston, you keep at it. And then the next thing you know, at just the right time in the story, you're meeting Bob Odenkirk. You're um, meeting Ben Stiller. And then you're meeting more people. And then the next thing you know, you're part of this movement. And then there's Mr. Show. And then you're on Arrested Development. And then you get to a point where people can cite things in your career and you never know what thing they're going to cite because you've done about 85 different things, you know? And some of the most popular are things that I'm not even all that familiar with. Like, uh, and it really does depend on kind of age and ethnicity and cultural background. But I mean, Scary Movie 2, I, I still get that a lot. Oh, yeah. Lots, yeah. lots and lots a lot. Yeah. Um, and Alvin and the Chipmunks, you know, so it was people were kids when they watched it and now those kids are teenagers right and, right uh um and the good thing is it opens them up to other stuff i've done like you know you i'll run into some 17 year old who like never heard of todd margaret and then yep, yep. because of this thing and that thing they're like oh my god um but it it uh uh you said something that made me think that of kind of it, it just comes full circle with the uh you know, it's still whether you're 13 and you're in a weird kind of hostile environment, and um, and then you like we we're talking about with Python, you find other people, and it's uh, and it's almost like a secret handshake, mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. know you're you find those people and you stick with them, and all the way up through now with uh, uh you know our individual uh, successes, and we still have lifelong friends that are have a secret code talk and we can talk about things that other people and the the people that you mentioned at the stuffy place are not going to get and you if you know if you or if 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 you were there and it was you know bob or smigel or me or janine or somebody you would have these 
inside jokes that only and we to, would get. Right. And that's been, I have to say, of everything, that's been the part that I have enjoyed the most. Yeah. It's the whole Robin Hood aspect of it, which is you make your way along, you start out as one person, you start to pick up people, mm-hmm. and then you have your troop. And um, and in life, you know, not just in career, in your in your life. No, I'm only talking about career. <laughs> Okay. I have no. You, I have no. You're good at separating the. I keep them very separate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my wife understands. What do you? Why are you calling me here? I told you never to call me here. <laughs> Look, it's exclusive to being in comedy. You only want to talk to other people in comedy, and every now and then, my wife wants to have a conversation, <laughs> and that doesn't go too well. My wife actually, in a, um, she's started as like a, a a joke but she kind of means it when she's like uh especially if i if we're out and i'm like with john benjamin or mm-hmm. somebody like that and and she's like guys no bits after 10 <laughs> no <laughs> serious no bits after 10 because <laughs> i i used to do so many bits so much this is years ago but with uh will arnett because he can't be serious and i can't be serious and you know the way they say certain times that no they're famous killing duos like Leopold and Loeb or the the people that committed those terrible in cold blood murders where they think none of them would have done these things individually, but put them together and uh, they create a unit that will kill everyone in the house. The, the problem I have is that when Will Arnett's around, he won't be real, I won't be real, and it's an evening of bits. And I remember years and years ago, back when they were uh, newly married, <laughs> Amy Poehler would see me show up at something that they were at and she would come up preemptively and go like, guys, yeah, guys, just, just, okay. A few bits. And then that's, I think, <laughs> that's it, guys. I think we're, and she would just in that very, I love Amy, but she's got this very common sense kind of like, you know, guys. Okay. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's enough. Yep. We did it. You were, he was the Colonel and you were the private and you <laughs> yeah. know, he was the donkey and you were the guy that, that hits the donkey. We good. That's enough. We're, I'm, I'm calling it, you know, yeah. it's almost it's, like she had a rep. It's tough whistle. on wives. It's tough on wives, whether they're in the business or not. Yeah. And children. And my it, kid- now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, I'm, my waiting, kids I'm are, waiting for that. My kids are tired of it. I taught my kids early on something that made me really happy and they're really good at it. And they'll do it to this day where I'll be leaving a building. And it's something that I sort of taught them to do when they were like five and seven, but I'd be leaving a restaurant and I'd have them go out and there's nobody out there. And I'd have them say, no, no pictures, just everyone. And there's no one there. And it was this great way of- And kids saying that. Yeah, and they're like, give oh, it. And, and my daughter, my, awesome. I remember my daughter being really good at it. She was like, I think she was six or seven and she'd be like, he's a person. He said, you know, get back. Conan, and, that's great. But, Did they know how, why it was funny, how it was funny? Oh, no, no, they knew exactly why it was funny. That's and, great. Um, it was <laughs> great really because would, it was- I would die if I saw that. No, no, it was so great because they're really funny kids and they got it. But also I was instructing them early that no one cares about your dad, <laughs> yeah. which is a good, it's just yeah. like, I mean, that's a really good lesson. Like they know that they're a fan, they're people, but, but letting them know early on and instructing them yeah. that I am someone who should be mocked. I do think people should- it's healthy for kids to find their father somewhat ridiculous and silly. Yeah, and to I, a point. That's uh, I gotta maintain the upper hand. Um, oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus. Uh, right. There's one thing I, I have to go back and say. Um, have you ever have you ever seen Will do his? Um, I don't know how he'd describe it, but his uh, super 
uber professional um, uh, boom mic operator. <laughs> I don't think I have. It's this is Will Arnett being a, a, a holder of the the long the yeah, long, long stick that has the microphone at the yeah, end on movie sets. On sets, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's something he started riffing when we were doing Todd Margaret, mm-hmm. and you know it's uh, it's just one of those things. I'll just request it, and mm-hmm. and he's it's just great. You have to you'll have to ask right, him right. about it or right. have him do it. But he's got you know the guy has his his boom mic is in 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 his own uh, really fancy carrying case and he puts it together and it's like, and like he's whole, a pool hustler he's got yeah, like a beautiful the whole case, shoot yeah. is really about him uh-huh. you know the whole it's it's just it's just really fun to watch um just ask him to do it next time you see him i'm gonna see him in a couple of days because we're getting married oh fantastic yeah let's let's you'll be, you'll be reading about it it's gonna be a big story well let me make sure i mention again your stand-up special which is out now we're taping this in advance. What? Yeah. How does that work? Trust me. So I, then the I could try to explain this to you. The title <laughs> but is you'd really never understand it. The title is really uh, appropriate. But um, David Cross, I'm from the future, is a comedy special uh, that is uh, out right now. Well, and- I should say that it's uh, available on my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing a different thing this time. Uh, OfficialDavidCross.com. That's where you can go get it. Cool. All right. Well, uh, check it out. And and like I say, uh, it is very much about what we've all been going through the last two years and what people have been talking about. And there's uh, a ton of really good work in there. So oh, thanks, man. Yeah. It's it yeah. it fun to do. Yeah. It, and it also, you know, I've been away from an audience now since for six months and um, uh, being an ass in front of an audience is something that I miss. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to probably just become like a strip club MC or something. Oh, sure. <laughs> there you go. Do all, you should MC, DJ, and be the stripper. That's do right. All. Yeah. Yeah. Why, yeah. why stop there? Yeah. When do you see what I'm packing? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Talk about an audience clearing out. Uh, hey, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, I my really pleasure, appreciate man. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. For real. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. 
Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time, don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. Well, this is something that happened to me yesterday. You know, I've been stuck at home because I'm sick. I have COVID. I'm, I'm okay. Uh, and you have a very, you have the very mild. I have the COVID. mild. I'm vaccinated, so it's it didn't hit me that hard. But my you husband have the Fisher and I, Price COVID. We, we have, yeah, we have yeah, the yeah. Fisher Price one. No, but, you, fortunately, let me just be responsible. You've been uh, fully vaccinated yes. and then boosted, so you uh, you got COVID, uh, but you've prevent, presented very mild, very mild symptoms, very and yet mild. you've still refused to really do any work. Oh, but anyway, go ahead. Okay, sorry. So anyway. Me and Tack and our boys, we go for a walk every day. And yesterday we're walking. And before I say this, you know, Conan, you know about my temper that I've tried really so hard to. You uh, you have a hair trigger temper. I've seen it in action. Yeah. When you get mad, you see red. And I've asked you to try and get under control because sometimes you're with me and you start to go off on somebody. And I'm Whoa. like, Sona, I don't want to read about this tomorrow in the paper. Yeah. That Conan O'Brien was seen with a Tasmanian devil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, so what happened? So, I'm curious. Okay. So I, it has, it's been a long time since my temper has come out. But yesterday, some bitch is jogging with her dog on one of those waist leashes. So wow. she's jogging and both her hands are free. And I'm walking my dog and we're with the boys and, and Tax walking the boys. And she's jogging in the middle of the street on this cul-de-sac. So Oki goes towards her dog. Her dog comes towards my dog. And then she like swivels because she's jogging. And she goes, lady, watch your dog. And I go, are you fucking serious? <laughs> and I go, they're dogs. And I tried to I actually like held Oki back. And then she just kept jogging. I was like, 
that's right. Keep jogging, bitch. And I turned towards Tack and I was like, what just happened to me? Like I was gonna. Oh, I will. I will tell you exactly. Stab what happened because this I've woman in the face. Been, I have been there for these instances with you when you completely lose it. And let me explain to people. Sona's a very polite, kind person most of the time. But when you lose it, it's immediate. Yeah. You've got your babies with you. Yes. You've got you've got these six month old twins yes. with you, and you want to throw down. I mean, what you're using is the language of a penitentiary. You want to pull out uh, a shiv that you fashioned in shop and uh, and that you've hidden in dark recesses of your body. And you want to pull that out and and stab someone to death in that moment. I do. And, you know, luckily the boys were sleeping and they're six months old, so they won't remember this. But I did. I yelled to this woman, keep running bitch like but also what if that's their first words <laughs> what if you're like say mama say dada and your and your parents are there and everyone's gathered around and they're like keep running bitch <laughs> and then charlie says that and then mikey goes keep running bitch and they teach each other how to correct it and then it's just it's like keep running bitch they, then they harmonize, keep running, bitch. <laughs> Every time you put them down for a nap and then leave the room, you just hear, keep running, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go, guys. Nighty night. Have a good sleep. Mama loves you. Daddy loves you. Everybody loves you. And I'll just close the door and, yeah, keep running, bitch. <laughs> I don't think you got the stones to be our mom. <laughs> It's called a fucking dog, mom. <laughs> I don't need your boobs. Oh, We're getting our milk online. Yeah, from each other. What? what? We just ordered what? some Similac dehydrated milk. What the hell? Off Amazon, so keep walking, bitch. And watch Jesus. your goddamn dog. Uh. We took a walk the other night. And it was maybe four o'clock and it was just barely starting to dim. And this old woman jogged past us doing that kind of walking jog, you know, and Mm -hmm. she just muttered to herself, not even to us, too dark to walk a baby. (gasps) What do you mean? Who? I've never heard of it's too dark to walk a baby. Oh my God. What does that even mean? I don't know, but I have to say, Sona, I understand it. The problem was I did that thing, and maybe Conan, you could relate with this, where also we were three houses from our house and we got in the house and I went, wait, why didn't I yell at that lady, mind your own business? Instead, I just went, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, well, that's, that's you. I When things like that would happen and my kids were really young, I would- I remembered once throwing my daughter at the person. (laughs) She was about four months old, but she had some, she had strong bones. Um, Too dark to throw a baby. Yeah, I said, it's too dark to walk a baby, but not too dark to throw a baby. (laughs) Heave ho. Wow, that was- Catch this grandma. Uh, Yeah. That's good um, though. It's good to have restraint, Matt. I I would have exploded and then I would have gone home and I would have been like, why did I- do that. But, but I regretted I, the other I'm, now I'm now I'm obsessed with that. Too dark to walk a baby. Yeah. <laughs> what? I've never, I don't understand. I don't understand. I think everyone's losing their minds. And I will say, I, I absolutely love our neighbors, but they saw us walking the baby at the same time too. And, and for Christmas, they got us two of those like Caltrans reflector vests. And it's not that but, dark. But that That's was, oh, wait a minute. I'm that sorry. I'm on, I'm on their side now. I assumed when you told the story, that you, when you're walking a newborn at night, that you're both wearing 
reflector vests and you have those lights. Oh no, your, we were in ninja head. suits. You were both <laughs> you were both dressed as people that put the scenery out in between scenes. Yes, black turtlenecks. The theater. Yeah. yeah, you were wearing black turtlenecks and And your daughter has <laughs> all black on too for no reason. She's in yeah. complete ghillie suit sniper camouflage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. That's terrific. And also I've never been in a fight before. I mean I don't know why I even said that to her. Like, hmm. keep running. I mean, maybe what it was, was your maternal instincts kicking in, and you felt like a no, threat to your family. She had this before. Oh. Yeah, we were in many years ago. Uh, Sona and I were with a friend of hers, and we were in a very nice restaurant on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Oh, I know that Arby's. And a, yeah, and I got you know that place. There's only one left. Sona was being a little loud. And there was a guy way over at the other end of the table and it was at the restaurant just on the other side. And he just kind of made a shh No. Motion. Hold it. He went shh. And you went, oh, really? <laughs> really? And you stood up and you started to unload on this guy while I'm there in front of me. And your friend was trying to restrain you. Remember? What was you almost climbed across the table and tore this guy's face off. Wow. I And you know who the guy was? Who? Stephen Hawking. <laughs> it was one of the great physicists of all time, Stephen Hawking. And he went, shh, please, please, it's upsetting. And she was like, oh, really? I've got ideas too about black holes. I'm going to carve one in your fucking forehead. I wasn't even shushing you. That was the sound of my machine. Sorry, I wasn't shushing you. That was my machine that helps keep me alive so I can think of new ways to help humanity in my shortened lifespan. Oh yeah, really? Remember that? And then you tried to wheel him out the door and security came? Yeah. Do you remember any of this? Yeah. You yeah. attacked him. You started hitting him with a baguette. You're right. I'm sorry. And then he ended up apologizing that. to you. I'm sorry if I upset you. Remember? Yeah. And then he said, wait a minute, I just had a, maybe my best idea yet. And you went, shut it. <laughs> yeah. And then you screamed at him for 10 minutes. And then he went, I forgot my idea. <laughs> he was being a dick. Well, there you have it. The story of the time that Sona on the Upper West Side attacked Stephen Hawking. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sona Movsesian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been... A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. This is Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, the promo. 
And in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why you should check out the show. I, the host Scott Augerman, have a lighthearted conversation with famous celebrities like John Hamm, Allison Williams, Phoebe Bridgers, Bob Odenkirk, just to name a few. Things go a little off the rails when different eccentric characters drop by to be interviewed as well. Each week is a blend of conversations and character work from your favorite comedians as well as some new hilarious voices. Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast. Listen every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.